Hey, it's Joe Trippy. Welcome back to That Trippy Show, and thanks for listening. And please continue to rate and review us on iTunes. Let me let you in on a little secret. The logarithm favors shows that get a lot of reviews for some sick, weird reason. And that help, uh, And so if you do that, it helps us game the system and get more attention and more people find us. Alex, we're 39 days away from Election Day. It was a tough one, a tough week. Did you survive? Well, we're here, but barely, right? I mean, let's get right into it. Uh, we lost a true giant this week with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. And, and unfortunately, before anybody really had a chance to process anything or memorialize her, the politics basically overwhelmed us. Americans will pay their respects to Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg against a backdrop of rapid activity over Ginsburg's replacement. The president plans to announce his nominee, he says, on Saturday. President Trump said it's better if his Supreme Court nominee is confirmed before the election. Just in case it would be uh, more political than it should be, I think it's very important to have a uh, ninth justice. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> yeah, well, more We're, political than it should be when you, when he's saying he won't accept, uh, uh, he won't commit to a peaceful transition of power, but needs the needs a court there in case it gets too political. Right. And Mitch McConnell isn't following his own rules. Uh, looks like Trump's probably going to get somebody at this point. I mean, what do you make of all this? Look, I think there's an opening here for Biden and Democrats. Uh, I, I think a lot of people, first of all, it's it's just a shame that it moved to the po- politics within minutes of uh, Justice uh, Ginsburg's passing without, you know, we there should have been and still should be uh, time to celebrate uh, her, her life and what she fought for and stood for. But um, I do think there's an opening here uh, for Biden and, and Democrats. Uh, I think people who are going to vote because of the Supreme Court were already locked in. I mean, if you um, look past all the damage this president has done because you like his judges and your tax cuts, I don't think uh, I, you were going to vote for him. And I don't think, you know, this changes that a whole lot. Um, but I think people right now, there are a lot of people who are listening to all this and they're struggling. Um, you know, we're talking about the people who who've lost their jobs, lost health care when they lost their jobs. Um, aren't there's no money um, extended in uh, for unemployment or any of the other things that they need to get through this. Um, and and all the entire way, the Republicans had no urgency. I mean, no sense of urgency for a covid economic package. Uh, or in any way responding to the needs of people out there who are in trouble. And that's been since May. I mean, since May, um, uh, they haven't done anything, you know, a skinny bill. And so now, after no urgency to help the American people on any of this, uh, no urgency for more money for testing, for safer schools, uh, for localities to be able to keep the uh, first responders uh, uh, from being laid off because they, they don't have any revenue in this. None of this was urgent at all. And now uh, what's urgent? Another, you, you know, is moving really quickly on a Supreme Court justice. Well, you know, Ginsburg was confirmed 96 to 3. Um, and the reason, and there's another opening there. I think that Biden can talk about actually, you know, a president should be appointing somebody in this environment, um, 
and what he would do and, you know, seek to get 60 votes um, to get beyond all this yelling about the rules and things. Uh, but I think, look, I think there's an opening here. I think the Republicans are o- way overstepping. I think, you know, uh, uh, Trump is overstepping and that um, and, that, look, you know, no Republicans are standing like three or four Republicans have said, hey, wait a minute. We have to have a peaceful transition of power. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about four right. U.S. senators have, have had that the courage uh, on the Republican side to, to call for that in the midst of all this. I think I think there's, you know, to, to put it in that context that that not only did they have no urgency to do anything for you, their urgency is because the president of the United States doesn't want to have a peaceful transition of power and is telling you that he needs a ninth justice to make sure that he gets the rulings he needs post-election. That should, this isn't about what party you're in anymore. It literally is about, you know, the patriotic thing to do here um, on the Republican side if you're a senator is to say, "Uh uh-uh, not on my watch. I'm not, I'm, you know, we, you have to commit to it, to a, uh, uh, peaceful transition of power, I won't support you. What do you think this does to voter turnout? Look, I think there's going to be, you know, turnout. I think more turnout on the Democratic side. Again, I don't think anybody who who voted for Trump uh, in 2016 um, uh, loves uh, what he's done on taxes and loves what he's done on judges and been able to look past everything else he's done. Uh, I think those people were voting um, no matter what for him and were coming out. Um, and I don't think there's that many more uh, that are are going to be energized to come out uh, because uh, of this. F- far from it, actually. If they actually pass, push through and try to ran this through through Election Day, why would a rele- reluctant Republican even have to vote, right? You already have six judges then. So um, I, it could actually work against them. And again, if they do it and push it through by Election Day, I think that'll further inflame the energy uh, among those who'd be appalled by this overreach and and the you know and and just just jamming it down um, everybody's throat, I think the Democrats will come at there. You may be able to see more, uh, even more energy on the left, which is even um, you know which is even stronger today. I mean, when you look at what the money that's been flowing in uh, to Senate campaigns because of this, it all happens to be with Democrats. Um, so I, I don't know. I think in the end, if there is a, a increase in turnout, I think it goes uh, probably benefits uh, Democrats uh, on the, you know, and frankly, you know, it's not even a left right thing anymore. I think it's it's now you're starting to cross you know, where, you know, independents, I think, are going to be energized by this as well, um, by by what's going on. Um, right. In all this. So I think that but I do think, look, there may be places where there's cross pressure now on some of the Republican women um, who were who would probably previous to this left Trump or were leaning away from him. Uh, some of these Republican women in the suburbs who may be pro-life, um, who weren't focused on the court, but just focused on they couldn't really accept who, who this president is. They they still can't accept who he is, but but they want that. But seat. they want the seat, so you could see some cross pressure there. And I think 
the place, one of the places where that could be problematic is Pennsylvania. Uh, I've run a lot of campaigns and done a lot of message and media in Pennsylvania. Uh, it's, I think Carville once quipped that Pennsylvania is Philadelphia and Pittsburgh and Alabama in between. Um, and, you know, on, uh, uh, and in a lot of ways, it's a very, very pro-life uh, state. Um, uh, you know, Bob Casey, the governor uh, back in the 80s, uh, Democrat, uh, passed one of the, the most stringent anti-abortion uh, laws in, in the nation. Um, and so there's a, there's a, uh, and, and actually one of the reasons Biden's always done well or have been thought of well is not just the lunch bucket Joe thing, but he was his Catholic upbringing in Scranton, um, his conservative uh, family values kind of uh, persona uh, kind of, kind of helped him get, get, you know, people who were otherwise not voting for a Democrat because of uh, their, where they stood on, on abortion and other issues, uh, like Joe, Joe Biden. So it, that's going to be, I think, could be a real struggle. I mean, again, Biden can win there. I really do think so because of what I just said. But I, I would start looking at Pennsylvania if there's going to be a shift here. So, Joe, you're talking about that shift and a new poll. I think it was the New York Times Siena poll came out. I think it was today or I guess yesterday by the time people listen to this. It basically says there's almost no undecideds left. We're down to like eight or nine percent. That is not a big number. At, at this point, do you see that shift in a place like Pennsylvania? Even 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 if it does shift, do you think it even matters at this point? Well, yeah, I mean, look, first of all, uh, Pennsylvania, look, Biden was only up by four before any of this. I mean, there were a couple polls that showed him up four or five. Uh, you get a two-point shift away from Biden and to Trump, it's a dead heat. Um, so that could easily, uh, you, you don't need any undecideds for that to happen, right? I mean, let's say there's no undecideds and you have a four-point lead. Um, you're, you're looking at shifting uh, two, two points if a shift of two points means it's an absolute dead heat, we're back into the, the, the land of somebody winning Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes, not by percentage points. So, uh, I mean, that's just a reality. Now, it, does that happen um, with some of these suburban women um, because of, of this? Or do they see Trump now in, as overreaching, as putting the country at risk because he won't commit um, to a peaceful transition of power, uh, something they were already, you know, when you look at, at where the reason a lot of these Republican women uh, were leaving him and the reason you have such a gender gap was because they were the first to be to just be sickened by the divisiveness and the chaos that he was generating. And now he's he's generating the biggest chaotic mess constitutional crisis you could you could confront a president who won't leave or who's playing games um, and saying he won't uh, he won't uh, do a peaceful transition of power. So you've got all those things happening. Now, let me answer your question, though, uh, about undecideds. Yeah, there's nine percent undecided. Um, and that's not much. But the one thing we know from looking at the undecideds, you look underneath the hood again, always look under the numbers. Right. Um there's no way those people are going to break one way or the other. In other words, 
You look under it, they, they're highly, you know, Trump is upside down with them. Um, Biden is a little bit better, but he's also uh, could be upside down with some with a lot of them. Um, but they think Biden's better on this or or Trump's better on that, but they're undecided. They're not. It's not like at least now not looking like the there's n no way eight of those nine points are breaking to Trump. Right. Three points might break to Trump. Four points might break to Biden. Uh, it might be better than that. I always think that I I give the benefit of where they're going to break towards the challenger uh, in most races. I think that, you know, Biden, I think that worked for Trump in, in 2016 because he was sort of the underdog coming back to, to beat Clinton. I think Biden is, uh, may benefit from that now. But either way, this is like, okay, four points of undecideds break to Biden, five points break to Trump. Uh, you know, it, you close a point. I think it's going to be have to be a shift that's going to change the election. Not, not, not who. Whether, most a lot of these undecideds, by the way, may stay home too. Right. Well, I don't know if you saw. I think it was our friend Chris Lee who who's tweeting about that new Iowa poll. I mean, even in a place like Iowa, that's a lot more conservative than I, I think, especially with seniors and people realize. And I know you've been there a lot. It, it, Biden's winning seniors by ten right now in Iowa. Which on the face of it is nuts, but if you start thinking about the coronavirus response and, and how the stuff that Trump is really failing on has affected him, that shift doesn't seem like it's coming. No, it's not. I mean, that's I mean, it's again why why Biden is uh, in the game in Florida. Uh, Trump has fallen uh, with older voters. He just has, uh, and I, I agree with you. I think it's it's COVID related. It's um, you know sort of the feeling he he, he exerts that that seniors are somehow expendable, um, that, you know, it's only been a couple hundred thousand people and they're, and they're mostly old, uh, you know, I mean, you know, or people who are going to die anyway. Well, we're all going to die anyway. <laughs> it's right. Kinda, you know, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that shift with, uh, uh, older voters that was, is so important as part of Trump's base is pretty, is pretty important. I also think those voters, um, may um, understand a lot better than a lot of us uh, what the peaceful transition of power means and how important that is uh, and how different that makes our democracy. Um, and so I think this could be... I, I just think in the end that the... Ginsburg vacancy, how he's feeling it, and how re the Republicans in the Senate are responding, and now with this, his he, his inability to commit to a peaceful transition of power, and saying we got to get rid of if we get rid of the Bennett, the the ballots, I'll be here. You know, there won't be a transition; it'll be a continuation. All that language, I think, combined, I think, may push some of these women that are cross pressured away from him more and some of these um, seniors um, who have a little bit more understanding, I think, of the consequences of these words. Uh, this could be, I think, as I said, an opening for um, Biden and the Democrats uh, if we handle it right. I know we've been talking a lot about Biden this week, but the Democrats have been fighting hard to regain control of the Senate and a lot of fuel added to the fire this weekend. Senate Republicans have been under enormous pressure, as many of them 
are facing re-election, many of them facing pressure to potentially divide themselves from President Trump. They've refused to do that and come under intense criticism. President Trump is behind, Senate Republicans are behind. They've been desperate to try to change the trajectory of this campaign. Act Blue said Ginsburg's death had led to an unprecedented surge of donations to progressive groups. Donors gave $6.3 million in just one hour late Friday and $70.6 million on Saturday. Uh, every Everybody from Al Gross, who got a big boost, Cal Cunningham, raised yep. like $6 million. New York Times is thinking that places like Maine and South Carolina have, have even passed that. What's the impact here? Well, first of all, thank you, uh, Crooked Media, and everybody else out there who who was pushing hard uh, to make some of that happen. I know a lot of it happened organically. Uh, and I look, I just think it's a, a real uh, advantage. Uh, I don't look, the Republicans were already having trouble raising money. Look at, you know, you, you, you know Trump was talking about having to, to loan his campaign $100 million. Uh, 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 Biden had a massive quarter over, over the Trump campaign. Uh, as did the committees, the Democratic House and Senate committees uh, uh, and the DNC in comparison to the Republican committees. You, the, the candidates, all a lot of the Democratic challengers and incumbents were raising far more than the Republicans on in the Senate races anyway. Um, I mean, no one thought uh, that Harrison, someone like Harrison months ago would be com- competitive financially uh, in his in his race against Lindsey Graham, and not only is he competitive, but probably after this weekend, probably has a big spending advantage over Lindsey Graham. All of these Democrats now do. Uh, and look, money can't buy you everything. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't not win you an election. But the most important thing is to have the money to. Ex- to expand what they were already planning on. I mean, if you were gross, Al Gross in Alaska, and you have you were planning your campaign with the seven hundred thousand dollars you thought you were going to raise, and you now have three point seven million dollars, uh, what do you you know? Can you expand your digital campaign? Do you get more mailings? Can you do more phone calls? Can you get you obviously more TV ads? Um, uh, and in this you know this time of uh, where we're, you know, working with COVID and the problems of reaching people, those extra dollars are gonna are are gonna help and out, uh, you know, and help outmaneuver uh, the Republicans uh, that that each of these candidates uh, may be fighting. So I I don't know. I'd much rather be Al Gross and Cal Cunningham um, and Gideon and Harrison and some of these, uh, you know, and Hick and Looper, all of them. I think have had a, a pretty incredible uh, fundraising uh, uh, bounce here. Uh, we know we we saw it in the, the Jones campaign. Thank you, everybody, uh, and keep it coming. But uh, and for all of them. But um, you know, it, it it is absolutely a big advantage, and I don't see that happening on the Republican side, which gets back to the whole thing about turnout and all those. Other. If we're seeing all this energy pouring into these campaigns and no energy except uh, uh, Republicans actually kind of ducking for cover because they're not quite sure like whether they should jump on this no peaceful transition train or not. Um, And who wants, you know, and they're not necessarily, uh, you know, raising it, having it come in uh, in the same way that it's coming in 
uh, for Democrats on the money side, I don't know. Uh, I don't see how that translates. Oh, yeah, well, we're not going to send any money in, but I'll, I'm really charged up to vote. I just don't. I mean, it, it, there's something not quite right in that thinking. I'm seeing I think there's a lot more energy, um, at least today. And I think Trump just poured more fuel on it um, by uh, with his comments about not committing to a peaceful transition. Right. I just think well, that's and, really going to drive the, it. When the money's coming in is important too, right? Because we still have you know six and a half, five and a half, geez, five and a half weeks to to figure out what to do with it. It's not like it was two days before the election. Yeah, well, that what's that's what usually happens. Your campaign manager and your and, and what normally happens is people find it, figure out at the end like maybe you have a chance, and all of a sudden in the last week, you know, five million dollars comes in, and there's not a damn thing you can do with it. I mean, you can't buy any more TV time. Mail had to be dropped five days ago to make sure it was going to get to the mailboxes in time for election day, so people read it before they voted. Um, and, and usually in that situation, recently at least, what you could do is is throw it at digital because digital is more instantaneous, and you can uh, and, and you can roll it out. But the problem with that is you better have had a whole bunch of digital targeting and everything all figured out for that big influx it was going to come right. uh and even then uh it's hard to, to to spend it this all coming in now um that's what i, I meant and i'll use al gross again as an example uh he's running as an independent up in alaska but you know if they were planning on a a budget of seven hundred thousand over the next five weeks and they now have 3.7 million over that they can spend over the next five weeks. Not only do they have that money, but they have time. They can actually think through what the strategy is. It's got a great commercial on the air, by the way, that uh, we talked about with uh, Dan Pfeiffer on on his uh, 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 Crooked Media uh, YouTube uh, show uh, that's going to come out next week. Uh, and so you should check that out. But he, he, that ad is was was impressive, and so they've got they've got a message. And now they have the money to deliver it. That's the key here. It's it's do you have the money to deliver a message? And I don't think the republic. I think the Republicans are in trouble for a bunch of reasons. I think I said this about Trump too. They they're they're running low on money and they don't have an argument that wins. Um, and so we had some candidates that are coming into the um, into play here. And they and they had good messages, and now they have more money to deliver it, and it's a winning message. I think that again is why I still see, even with all uh, this chaos that we've uh, experienced in the next last two or three days, the shock of what we've been going through, that in the end, this is still going to be 1980. Uh, when you start to see, you know, uh, that Greenfield is up in Iowa, that Mike Espy in Mississippi is close. Um, you start to see how 1980 may be coming into play here. Uh, that was, again, the year Democrats uh, lost 12 seats when an unpopular president, uh, Jimmy Carter, fair or not, uh, lost to Reagan. And I think um, that with this influx of resources with the candidates that are running out there and their messages and now having the resources to do it, um, that we could be shocked uh, in November, uh, at how many Republicans uh, uh, are 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 no longer in the U.S. Senate, uh, and again, because part of, part of it is because um, if you won't stand up today and say 
we need a peaceful transition of power and the president should commit to it, uh, regardless of party, then I think you're, you could be on your way out. Um, it, it doesn't seem like that should be a, such a tough thing to do. So, Joe, let's zoom out here for a second. We're talking about Mitch McConnell basically stealing another Supreme Court seat. Then on top of that, the president is saying that he ain't going to go out quietly and threatening the peaceful transition of power, basically more overtly than anybody ever. We Don't we have to fight fire with fire here? If opening comes in the last year of President Trump's term and the primary process has started, We'll wait to the next election. The Senate has more than sufficient time to process a nomination. History and precedent make that perfectly clear. Will you commit to making sure that there is a peaceful transfer of power after the election? Well, we're going to have to see what happens. This is, a uh, again, it's about addition, not subtraction, right? you got to look, keep the eye on the ball. We have to get 270 electoral votes. Doing or being angrier, um, throwing harder punches, um, being crazier than them does not help us, right? Um, we Look, the, the reality is in the fight for 270, there are probably 165 electoral votes from states where, yes, Trump could literally shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and he's still going to win those 165 electoral votes. We've probably got 220 uh, electoral votes, frankly, where Biden could go shoot somebody on Fifth Avenue and he'd still win those 220 electoral votes. So that's not the question. So we can't you, you, you can be do that, but it doesn't get you anywhere right now. The question is. How are you going to get to 270? And that means you're now in states where no side has a large majority of people who will let you say or do anything. That's a, you know, that's just reality, right? Go try to be the angry Democrat in Idaho. It ain't going to work. We've got to talk to folks and move them to those Republican women in the suburbs who are, who do have problems with Trump. Don't we don't call them names and get them and then ask for their vote. That's not going to work. Um, we he wants to do something crazy that they think sounds crazy, and then well we'll do something just as crazy. You know, right. ten justices on we'll we'll appoint ten justices to the Supreme Court. I mean that's just that it, it, I'm, that'll win in blue states but it's just not doesn't make any sense to where people really are and where they are is they're hurting they're struggling they have no health care they've got they've lost their jobs and and this they they're the last three years of their life have to have been the most chaotic they've lived through in their lifetime and joe biden and democrats offering a safe off-ramp back to sanity, not back to normal, but just back to sanity, calm, lower the temperature, and now let's talk about these problems that we, that we need to solve. Uh, how do we rebuild these institutions? How do we undo or fix the, the damage that Trump did to the courts? Yeah, the key is we have to win first, friends, 
We've got to get to 270. There are people in Pennsylvania we can win, right? And we need to win them. And it's not going to be because, damn it, we're going to be just as vicious and just as vengeful as him when we get in. That's not going to win them over. What's going to win them over is addressing where they're at, the problems they're having right now, the kitchen table issues that the Republicans have ignored with no urgency while having all this urgency to sabotage the election, to, to push through a, a, a Supreme Court justice with a president who's saying he won't have a peaceful transition. And by the way, I need, I need a ninth justice so the court will rule my way. No, we have to be the calm sensible um, voice out there. That's who I think Joe Biden is being. I think we're better off as a party if that's what we're all doing. And then just doing the hard work of making sure everybody votes, that making sure everybody knows what's at stake. That's what, otherwise, look, if you, if, if, if you don't think you want somebody who's gonna punch harder, then stay home. Let Trump, let Trump win, right? I mean, that's crazy. No, this is about how do we come together? How do we invite those Republican women, those younger Republicans um, that, 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 that know deep down this is wrong um, to come over? And it's not by being just as wrong the other way. You don't see Biden saying, let's pack the courts. He's saying we need to be stable and, in, 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 and have some common sense. Look, yep. Trump benefits, Trump and the Republicans benefit from anger and fighting, right? The more where everybody retreats to their corners and chooses up sides and everybody on the other side's the enemy and we're their enemy, um, the more we reinforce that with anger and uh, threats, uh, the more it keeps everybody in their corners. And the more everybody's in their corners, the Electoral College benefits one man and one man only, Donald Trump. If you, if you feel some big urge to help him by throwing a punch that keeps everybody in their corners instead of inviting people out to come together, to return to sanity, to, common, to, to the common good, to working together to actually solve these problems, um, that's what I think is what's been benefiting Biden the entire way. And hopefully he won't take the bait um, or the push from uh, uh, the people in our party that are looking, you know, that want to, to, that want that kind of anger. Uh, I think it doesn't work for us. I think it, it absolutely helps Trump. And we've seen that repeatedly, um, uh, I think, throughout the, his whole time in office. That's why he keeps pushing that button. So, Joe, I want to make sure I'm hearing you right. You're basically saying the best thing we can do is let McConnell and Trump get away with this right now? I mean, I look, I think they're going to get away with it. Uh, I mean, what I mean by that is they've got the votes. Um, it, you know, so McConnell is going to run through and have the votes. Um, uh, and, you know, look, we can delay it and things like that, which is, you know, uh, but I don't think delay is our... It, it, it does a whole lot for us. I, if you actually think about this logically, if they pass this before Election Day, why, if you're 
uh, on the right? What what reason do you have to vote in? I mean, you've sort of taken the the, the escape valve and opened it full force. They they don't need. There's not going to be another judge. Um, and also, it says to me how afraid they are. Right? That they must know they're going to lose, because if Trump's going to win and they're going to take the Senate, it doesn't matter if we vote today or if we vote uh, in the lame duck, or if we vote five days after the inaugural, right? He's going to win. He's got a majority in the Senate. He can get his pick any day of the week if, if they're sure that's what's going to happen. They're not sure. They're afraid. They're not even sure. They don't even want to risk the, the, the uh, lame duck. That's how afraid they are of losing their majority. And by the way, we're seeing all this floodgate of money come in to Democrats that makes them even sure, more sure that they're gonna that they may lose their majority, um, and so therefore let's do it now. Let's get that sixth judge. Let's do it right now. That's Mitch McConnell's entire career has been this moment, and he's not going to risk it, knowing, knowing deep down they're about to lose it all. So if you take that, and what we're all the only thing um, we can do is slow it down. Um, I'm not sure. That in the end, um, you know, that's a case for hoping this happens after the election. But frankly, we don't have those cards. I mean, the, the cards are, to, uh, you know, that the, the McConnell is going to put it up there, at, at, you know, and, and I think our best strategy is to decry his urgency to do this and Trump's urgency to do this with their with no urgency whatsoever to help the American people since May. And that that's our messaging. That's what we should, we should fight on those grounds and recognize absolute power corrupts absolutely. And that Mitch McConnell will push this through no matter what we do. I mean, whether it means changing the rules uh, in the Senate, he'll do it. Um, so our, we have to make our case to the American people. I would make it on the urgency grounds that that they know this is wrong, they know it's hypocritical, and that there there's they never showed any urgency to do a damn thing for you. At the same time, step on the gas, win these the electoral college uh, states that we need to for Biden, um, win the win the Senate um, without. Uh, delineating every incredibly uh, divisive thing that we want to do, which we shouldn't do. We should be, Joe Biden should be the leader, the president, unlike Trump, a president who puts a Supreme Court justice nominee that, that is capable of getting 60 votes. That's what the Senate's supposed to be about. I mean, that's people don't understand. The Senate is supposed to be the place where they didn't get into the heat of the moment and attacking each other, even though all of us on the streets were and the House was. The Senate was supposed to be the place where they actually sat down and figured out how to cool the temperature and make and bring people together. The president's supposed to be that, too. He's the only one who's elected by everybody. You're not the president of a party. You're the president of the country. And so with, with both Mitch McConnell and the Trump acting the opposite of what both the Senate and the presidency are supposed to be. It's up to Democrats to be to be that, to be the 
the calming force that lowers the temperature. It's our party's duty now, not, not the Senate's and not the president's because they failed their duty. We have to do ours. One thing I want to talk about just a bit before we end here is uh, the questions that people are asking. And one of the things that happened uh, this week was Amy Chapman, uh, who is definitely monitoring Michigan uh, for all of us, uh, let me know I was wrong last week uh, that, uh, that Trump is indeed back on the air there. Um, and I think that's important that we understand that he's back in uh, Michigan and uh, the campaign is not uh, fully out of there, uh, which tell us a lot. Um, but it did make me think about all of you out there in your states. If you see something that's going on in your state, we want you to tell us about it. Um, and it, we may even actually do a segment on it. Uh, and the way to do that, we'll we'll leave an e email at the end of uh, on, on our show notes at the end of this, uh, so that you can uh, use that email to send us uh, not just your um, what you're seeing in your state uh, or what you're worried about, but also any questions. And, and also a reminder: uh, if you do have a question, please submit it on iTunes in the reviews and help us game the system. Um, it really does help us find um, help other people out there find our show. Um, so thanks for listening to that trippy show. Um, and please give us five stars if you do go and rate us. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Take care. Jessica, this is the happiest day of my life. Right up there with the day I bought my RV and insured it with Progressive. Man, I love that thing. There are a million fish in the sea, which I'm reminded of every time I bring my RV to the lake, but I vow to love and cherish you just as much as I cherish campsites with full electric and water hookups. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Protect your beloved with an RV policy from Progressive. Take as little as four minutes to see what you could save at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.